This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, December 10th, 2020, and my guest is the awesome John Redinger. Hi, John. How are you? Hey. I am good. It's nice to uh, it's nice to be here. It's nice to actually be back uh, on the show. Yeah, I'm really stoked. It's been quite a while. You've really been busy since then. Like your channel has just taken off like a meteor. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been a weird it's been a weird time for uh, for everyone. But certainly, uh, tech has not stopped for any pandemic. And uh, you know, as, as you know, our coverage of it just you know keeps rolling along. Yeah, no, I noticed it's great. You know what I've noticed too, and I just kind of just occurred to me as I'm talking to you just now is that we are seeing much more regularity in releases and like we're with yes. these rumors of the Galaxy S21 come out in January now you know I've gotten invites to briefings that are happening from phone manufacturers in January for clearly products that didn't come out then so it's like they're not leaving us in peace. Like, remember how we used to have these lulls yes. between trade shows yeah. where everyone had to recoup and now we just like to run a marathon all the time. Yeah, you know, it used to be once you got on the other side of CES, we had like some breathing room, right? We had a little bit of time. We could exhale. We could all get over whatever weird virus we got from the show. <laughs> uh, and, you know, then we had we had a few months, but no, things are things are rolling. Release calendars are getting reset. And like the release dates for a lot of companies used to be sort of, you know, all the time and consistent are clearly like being shuffled. So Samsung's moving stuff around. Rumors are not going to have a note line next year. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of weird timelines, Apple kind of like came out of left field. Was it yesterday or two days ago with the AirPods Max, which is a terrible name in my opinion. AirPods Studio was so cool. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I get that everything has like the pods name it like everything audio uh, has so i mean i guess that makes sense but the max it's it makes very little sense um to me but apple clearly does not care about their naming thing we have you know pro max and pro oh, man and like, minis and steve jobs we have never let that happen i'm always saying that because it's such a cliche but you know like i think that the naming <laughs> they really do have to look at the naming and, I, and you know this goes for a lot of like chinese companies too like i review a lot of chinese phones that are fantastic and a lot of them have like you know max plus and whatever and you're like like come on guys like can kind of come up with a xiaomi is a good example of like naming conventions what naming conventions it's totally random basically you know at least apple makes sense yeah. like you know you've got four phones they're clearly named even though the name isn't great you know but it's, it's funny you mentioned that as apple's naming goes even as ridiculous as sometimes it might be the rest of the industry will totally follow i mean apple could come out next year with like the apple duty plus and then you have like six like duty phones coming out from every other manufacturer you know within 12 months after that so you know what we're still missing right we're missing an iphone air right I mean, that just, is the one that yeah just putting it out there for us right like let's speculate and then we're missing a, a macbook max <laughs> just <you know. laughs> mac yeah the macbook pro max you know they'll bring back oh, the 17 pro max. inch i like it yeah and they missed an opportunity with the mini right to call it the to get the airline uh consistent across the, across their old brand yeah i don't know i mean i think uh i'm also nano we haven't used nano and we haven't seen nano in a while we need some nano Nan, yeah, not since what the ipod right yeah i think the ipod nano is the last one really so anyway look these AirPods Max, I ordered a pair just because, you know, like, I don't think, honestly, I don't think I'm going to keep them. Like, there's no reason. I have Sony WH-1000MX4s. I used to have the MX3s those and the MX2s before that. And I I will stick with those because I think for the price, you really can't go wrong. And yeah. I don't see myself wearing these Apple ones. Uh, they, they look kind of so obvious. I'm not seeing myself wear these on an airplane when I get to fly again, you know. <laughs> But, but like, what's your take? Like the pricing, a lot of people have moaned and grown. That's totally Apple, though. I'm not expecting the pricing to be lower than Sony's. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, you know, people who were expecting an affordable price to Apple haven't been paying attention to what Apple's doing, right? Like, their prices and their, their products always come in at a premium. And they're, and they're competing in a world they haven't competed in, you know, really ever. You mentioned the MX4, you know, the Bose, the new QCs. Like, there's a lot of really competitive products in this line. Yeah. Now, for what Apple can allegedly do, and obviously you and I haven't heard these headphones yet. No. But what they're allegedly doing here with spatial audio, with build quality, 
I assume audiophiles who want that sort of high quality audio but don't want to have to wire in will probably consider at least, you know, dropping the 550 bucks on these headphones and the Apple fanatics who buy anything Apple, you know, Apple does will buy them anyway. But beyond that, it's going to be interesting to see the market. There's I'm sort of harking back, I guess, to the original, you know, HomePod launch, right? When it was amazing audio. Yeah. You know, even if you didn't, even if you didn't like it and you could be like the audio fidelity was awesome. You know, Siri was, you know, holding it back, but price, it was a, it was a price problem. And they fixed that, right? They, well, no, the HomePod stayed the same, but the HomePod mini That's what came. I'm saying. Like the, the, uh, for most yeah. people, I mean, I, I agree with you. The sound quality of the, of the HomePod Pro is great, but HomePod mini is good enough for like most people, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, when the AirPods Studio, which ultimately became the, the AirPods Max upon release, there were a lot of rumors of another model. There was a, like, they were calling it a sport model. Yeah, right. I was going to come in at, at 350 bucks, you know, so the, you know, the, the mini to the HomePod type thing. And I do think that that's probably still coming, but not until next year. And I think once those are out, then perhaps there'll be justification for wanting to go higher. I mean, but as somebody who's not really an audiophile, I got a hard time justifying $550 for a pair of headphones with probably the most ridiculous case I have ever seen in the history oh my God, of, the bra? Uh, of headphone accessories. <laughs> it's a bra, bra. it's a butt. <laughs> I, look at them, it looks, like, it looks like anything. It's a weird purse. Um, you're supposed to use it as a purse. Like you use the hand, the, the headband as a handle. It's an accessory though, right? It doesn't come with it because it's Apple, right? No, it, it does come with it. Oh, it does. That it does. It does. That is unlike Apple. I was expecting that to be a gadget you have to pay for. But, but in, I guess in, in new Apple form, uh, it does not come with a charging brick. Uh, it just comes with a lightning cable. And can we just talk about that for a second, how yes. they opted for lightning uh, and not USB-C? They are really digging in, aren't they? Ooh, and if the iPhone's going portless, there's going to be like only their, their pods lineup is going to have any use for lightning. Well, that and your wireless mouse and, and keyboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah you plug it in. Does anybody use a mouse? You can plug it in on the bottom. Oh, God. You know, I hate to say it. I use it on my iMac I'm recording on right now. And, and it's oh. like, it, and the battery's dying on mine too. Like I'm having to recharge it more often now. I'm really noticing. Yeah. And it's just such a piece of junk. I mean, I love the <laughs> interface. Like I love using it. But you know, I used to have the old one with the two double A's and it was just as terrible because it used to eat batteries like you wouldn't believe. Like crazy. But at least you could use it after you put the batteries in, right? Correct. Like you put a fresh, put fresh batteries in and like you were good. So, you know, obviously people can't see it on the show, but I'm going to show you the mouse I use as my backup. <laughs> like the jankiest like yellow PC mouse from 1995. You know, it's yeah. optical. That's about it. It doesn't, it has a scroll wheel that only scrolls in one direction. <laughs> like you can't do like left and right scroll. But that's what I use when I'm charging my mouse. <laughs> yeah. So let, let me ask you, so I've been kind of following some of your journey. So I know, speaking of Max, you just got an M1. Yeah. Air, right. And man, that's great. I'm actually, I'm, I'm doing this, this whole podcast being recorded on my new M1 Air as well. I just got it in uh, a couple of days ago. I opted to sort of spec it up a little bit. I got mine with 512, but I didn't, I stayed with eight gigs of RAM because A, I like to live dangerously and B, you know, honestly, I don't like, it's not, other than video editing, that thing's never going to see any heavy loads, frankly. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very good at killing tabs because I came from a MacBook 12 inch. Let that sink in for a sec. Yeah. So I think I'm going to be That's fine. That's still a solid computer. That's still a solid computer. Um, well, my, my 12-inch MacBook was fully spec'd out. It was the highest I could get when I bought. I bought the original, so I had the slower processors, but I bought yeah. the higher of the two slower processors, and I bought 8 gigs, 512 gigs. And so when I went yeah. for the MacBook Air M1, I decided, you know what? 512.8, let's do the same because that's all I really need. Storage is, I can't go down on storage because, you know, you always max it out somehow. Yeah. But I'm really impressed. Like, I have to say, like, you have to understand, I'm one of those old sticklers in Mac. Like, I'm always two OS versions behind. So my spidey senses were way up when I bought a Mac that had the latest OS. I'm like, oh, I never buy, and you know, I always buy a slightly older Mac, so I have not the latest. Yeah. And frankly, it's not my cup of tea. Like, I, I have to say, like, too, way yeah. too iPhone, iPad-like this OS. But what I love is that I calmed down really quickly when I saw there's still a terminal. I can still run my shell yeah. scripts. Everything's still working. Yes. Most of my workflows are still working other than, of course, 32-bit Intel apps, which, I mean, I skipped Catalina, so I never saw that issue. So I still run some weird legacy stuff that I'm, yeah. work, I'm, I'm trying to find new workflows around. But I, honestly, I'm impressed with the performance, especially native apps. 
And even the emulation is really great, but I'm not really emulating too much. Audacity, which I'm using for recording the podcast right now, would be what I would run emulated probably. And I did actually edit the entire show last week on my M1 to make sure that Audacity wasn't going to crap out on me. And honestly, yeah, it was so fast. It was amazing. Yeah, so I... I uh I'm coming from a 2018 MacBook Pro, and I usually live dangerously. I'm usually running betas for OSs. Um, so I opted for the Air with the 8-core and 16 gigs just to probably overspec it. Um, right. And I think the best compliment I can give it so far now about a week in was like, I don't, I don't notice any difference. Like, I don't notice that it's a Apple Silicon ARM computer versus Intel. Um, it's obviously dead quiet. There's no, no fans, but everything just, just works. I love that. But I came from that, right? So for me, it's the kind of yeah. normal. Like I'm, I'm no fan, but of course I love it. Yeah, and everything, everything has just worked really well. I was surprised that Rosetta didn't come installed. Like it installs itself when you try to use your first x86 And it app. literally takes 10 seconds. You're kind of wondering why they just didn't do it by default. You know? Yeah, and there's not even a, a restart necessary. I, I will say what Apple's doing with Rosetta kind of running it through that versus what Microsoft did with emulation on their arm um, and I really like like the Surface Pro X and that kind of stuff. I think Microsoft did an amazing. I love it as a form factor, yeah. But it's absolutely it's so bad at at running Intel apps like the Surface compared to this, right? Oh, it's horrible. I mean, and for a company with soft in their name, with like software is supposed to be their jam, oh, right? It is uh, a, a very apparent how just a piss poor job they did optimizing. Um, for the ARM infrastructure. And I'm not, listen, I use Apple stuff, but I don't really consider myself to be kind of an Apple homer. Like I'm not all about Apple, but what they've done with Rosetta and x86 is really, really impressive. Um, battery life has been like stupid. Oh my God, it's stunning. Stupid. I, have to tr- I have to try to kill it. I ran it all day after I edited the podcast. Like I started editing the podcast and, the, and then I did some work on the web. Then I did, you know, I went back to the podcast and I went back. Yeah. I, I, I was still at 20% when I packed it in and I had been on for 10 hours and a lot of that was editing and emu- on an old crappy emulated app that I did. Yeah. You know, it's not video editing granted. And of course I got Final Cut for that if I need to. So it's native now. But, and that's my next thing. I'm going to try some Final Cut next. But frankly, um, I was like, it was faster at doing basic processing operations, audio processing, than my 2017 iMac that's in front of me right now. Like, a little bit. And this, this is emulated or translated, right? This is crazy. Yeah. So and I, I think for people who are like, well, maybe I don't need a computer right now or I don't want to jump into, like, the first gen, the future of what Apple Silicon is like, going to be... Oh, my God. Like, it's crazy impressive. I mean, when you start thinking about, like, multi-cores, what they're going to do with iMacs and... 15-inch MacBook Pros and Mac Pros, like, the potential is stupid awesome for performance and optimization. You know what I'm most excited about right now? Like, in, in this immediate zeitgeist, like, you know, I'm imagining myself being in, like, the old days when we had some time off in the holidays because I don't think this, <laughs> I mean, relatively speaking, because CS always kept yeah. us busy. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I'm looking at playing with this a little bit in the next few days, and it's virtualization and... Um, virtual machines like there's very little support right now but there's a few things that are starting to happen people have been able to run windows 10 yes arm on the Mm -hmm. macbook as like a virtualized environment which i think is really interesting but i'm mostly interested to see what happens when virtualbox parallels you know all these uh vmware and all that come out with you know basically uh virtual machines that run on m1 because for me here's the holy grail i want to be able to run an old version of mac os like say um yeah. mojave and that way i can still run 32-bit apps like just just for not i'm not gonna do this for work like i just really want to be able yeah. to see it actually being feasible and and that's a bigger challenge to me the challenge there was that you know, if you make a virtual machine, obviously it runs M1 instructions. And so now it has to emulate yeah. in the virtual machine. So the question is, do you emulate in the virtual machine or do you create a virtual machine that <laughs> runs x86 somehow and gets emulated by Rosetta? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the question. Can you do that? I mean, could you I don't think emulate you can. x86 Windows 10 via like VirtualBox? So the challenge right now, from what I understand, John, is that that's exactly the problem is that when you ran VirtualBox or whatever on your Intel yeah. Mac, the reason it worked was because it, it used virtualization a lot. So it used special yeah. Intel instructions to virtualize that that 
virtual machine. Mm -hmm. And that's why it worked, right? But now that doesn't work. Like even if Rosetta doesn't translate the virtualization instructions of x86 into something m1 understands right which is why every oh, virtual machine got it, got it. is okay. not working right now that is like people are asking me like well how is that problem like because it's just it's a yeah. huge challenge so i think the problems we're going to have is yes we're going to get virtual machines but they're going to do really good at running arm os's they're not going to be very good at running x86 OSs because there's no way to put that through Rosetta in a way that, because the, the, the system level calls here at, at really low at the chip level, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's kind of what we need. Like I want to be able, this is, this is the holy grail for me, is I want to be able to run, you know, an old version of the OS that's x86 and like just, just put around in it. Like I'll give you an example of something crazy that my spouse does. On their Mac, they have... A virtual box running Snow Leopard. Okay. <laughs> you're throwing it you're throwing it way back. Intel build a Snow Leopard and it's using it's set to use only one gig of RAM and it's set to the the actual drive is only eight gigabytes because it's all it needs. Yeah. And they from there run Civilization three power PC using regular Rosetta. <laughs> and it works. And this is a twenty fifteen MacBook Air. So imagine that they have a MacBook Air running like Mojave or whatever that's running a virtual box that's booting Snow Leopard. Snow Leopard has the old Rosetta in it and Civilization yeah, 3 runs in Rosetta in that virtual machine like a champ. Uh, I mean, listen, it, what Apple has done in the past is impressive with, with the emulation and virtualization stuff. And I think the future is going to be really solid for them. Yeah, me too. Do you, do you think, and this is just not, I, cause I'm just wondering as like a, a fan of sort of PCs and, and sort of desktop hardware, do you think Apple's going to do their own GPU? Or are they just going to do more cores? More cores. They're just going to be, oh, they're just going to be more cores. Like dedicated GPU is you done. You can forget discrete GPUs. This is like, there's, doesn't make any sense with the kind of architecture they're creating. Look, they're even integrating the RAM on the same, not die, but on the same chip. And, and it's yeah. like, that's the way to go. Like, I don't think it makes sense unless, unless their relationship with, AMD is such that AMD yeah. is doing something they just can't replicate. But remember, Apple does not want dependencies on other companies. So it does to me, they're just going to throw like, let's put 64 GPU cores and like yeah. of the new generation of M whatever cores in this, you know, iMac Pro or whatever, and just crank it up to 11, throw more cores at it. And since they control the software, you know, it's going to freaking run like a charm. And I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a lot of CPU cores and a lot of GPU cores. What's crazy about that is what Apple can do from a design standpoint. Right. If you're not constrained with, let's say, a 15-inch MacBook Pro yeah. with a, a dedicated GPU inside of that, either you're going to have just absolutely stupid battery life. They keep the form factor the same, right? More room for cells. Yep. But the potential for like an all-new design and for power and thinness, I mean, a MacBook Air-style body yep. with the performance of what would I guess be... What an i9? Correct. The dedicated yeah. GPU plus is with like, like an RTX something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Is crazy. The the future of what Apple can do with their silicon is awesome. The people who are still looking at it as just an iPhone chip in their computer um, are not doing a service to the raw power and potential that it has. I don't think a lot of traditional PC people can wrap their heads about what's going on. There's a lot of denial It's hard going to, on. yeah. Like, you know, yes. I write for hot hardware, right? You know that mm -hmm. obviously they've been yep. covering build your own PC rigs and they cover the graphics cards separately and stuff. And look, yeah. that's not my area of expertise. And these guys, I think, are doing a good job at covering the M1 right now. But I feel like there's a lot of publications like that out there that are just like spewing garbage, in my opinion. Like, I think, yeah, of course you can't compare the M1, even the air-cooled M1, you know, with a tiny fan. By the way, th those fans are completely different than the fans on the Intel. They spin super slow and are super quiet because there's, there's so minimal cooling required anyway. Yeah. But the point is that you can't compare these chips to you know a state-of-the-art gaming right like wait another year or two then you can do this comparison yeah and i think that they're missing the point and look i hear them i hear them right building your own pc which everybody seems to yeah. be doing over thanksgiving these days anymore have you noticed that everybody built a gaming pc for thanksgiving through black friday sales yep everybody's baking bread and building pcs correct and so i mean i get it <laughs> like you you're miss you're freaked out by the fact that you're not going to be able to have a discrete gpu these, these are not the computers for you these are appliance computers 
for either professionals yeah. or consumers. And I mean by professionals like, you know, creators like you and like me. Like mm-hmm. you know, I could benefit from a MacBook Pro if I did a lot more. Like I don't I don't do my videos at 4K yet. In part yeah. because I don't have the horsepower to do it right. And so, you know, now I can. Now I can actually step up to that because I finally have a computer that'll edit 4K without like stuttering, you know? And I think that that is not what M1 is competing with. So nobody is going to take away your NVIDIA RTXs and your Intel Xeon chips, folks. Like you're going to be able to build your own gaming machines. That's not going to go away. But there's a good chance that gaming evolves to absorb what the M1 or the M series chip can do on Mac. And I wouldn't be surprised if some, you know, intrepid PC maker, like maybe Asus, like I don't think it's going to be the Dells and HPs of the world. They're too, you know, too scared, I think, right now. But I think some company outside of the the big, like it's going to be one of the top PC makers, but not one one of the really big ones. That's just going to come out with, you know, partner with someone, Qualcomm, you know, who knows, to make yeah. an ARM chip that runs Windows better. And maybe Microsoft will get serious. And and I think the problem with it right now is that Microsoft and Qualcomm and you know other companies that have been making ACPCs, because there's lots of them, they're just oh yeah. They just think of it as a side thing. Like they think of it as like, you know, we get we, we make these PCs for business people who need 5G connectivity and need, you know, a light, long battery life, nice computer. But I think yeah. that's that's the wrong way to look at it. What they really need to do is they need to make PCs that are like XPS 13 replacements, like the the bread and butter of productivity in the North American market for the average person, which is what the Air is, right? They need to make those with ARM chips and Microsoft needs to come on board. But for that to happen, that interlocked Intel mm-hmm. Windows thing has to break. And I tell you, when it breaks, it's going to it's gonna come down like a house of cards. Like Intel is going to be in big doo-doo. So I think Intel right now is freaking out, trying really hard to promise the world to Dell and HP and these guys. And they are still hanging on there because they, they value their relationships. They know they can get custom variations of these chips made anytime Absolutely. they want, whatever. And they don't really have an ARM supplier right now that can match that performance. I mean, Qualcomm is doing a really good job, I think, but they're not quite where Apple is. And, you know, you, you can't be there because Microsoft is still a separate entity, like, right? So, you know how there've been rumors of Google make their own chip and you know Huawei's yep. made their own chips and Samsung's new Exynos is supposed to be kick ass. I mm-hmm. think the next logical step is Microsoft that has a lot of money needs to buy some kind of ARM chip maker and start making their own chips. And then, you know, we have we can have that vertical integration in the PC market and Microsoft can sell these this entire vertically integrated setup to their OEMs. Mm-hmm. And and make more great Surface products because, you know, it's kind of like Android, right? You get Google making the Pixel and then you've got yeah, the of rest. Of, I, I don't know. I think it's a tough one. I think that the PC world right now is, is really having to rethink how to do things. And, and if they're not freaking out, they're doing what BlackBerry and Nokia did when the iPhone came out. And they're shooting themselves in the foot, you know? You know, and like for reference to people that, that weren't around during that time. You know, when the iPhone hit, so it came in 2007, around 2008, 2009, you know, BlackBerry was still king. BlackBerry actually grew market share in 2007. Oh, yeah. But when they, brought on, when they brought on their dual CEOs, you could pick a BlackBerry product and you had to choose if you wanted Wi-Fi or GPS. Do you remember that? Right. They, they missed the consumer market so egregiously. Because they figured where BlackBerry people are going to stick with but us. But the carriers had a lot to do with that. Remember, John? Like, like, like Verizon was like, we don't want Wi-Fi on your phone. We want you to use our data plans. Like, that's the short-sighted BS we had to deal with. Yeah. Whereas Apple turned it on its head. They're like, no, this is a computer in your pocket. It runs OS X at the time, like a derivative of that. Like, yeah. And and what do we do right now? Our, piece, our Macs have, have Wi-Fi first. And, oh, yeah, let's put an edge radio in there just in case you're offline. You know, like, it was literally an afterthought to have cellular on that thing almost it feels like today you know i, I mean it, it's hard to argue <laughs> hard to argue with that especially with 2g uh being on board but it was relying on the laurels and i think you're seeing trends of that right now in in the pc world and and you're right your hps and your dells and really your microsoft has all the power i mean has 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 all the power. Microsoft's got something more resources into ARM version of Windows 10 and makes x86 a, a secondary. And, and I hate to say this. This is 
this is like, I just want to put it out there for whomever's listening to this podcast. Like I'm putting my advisor consultant hat on and not getting paid here. Intel, make a freaking ARM chip. Like you had X scale. You had an ARM division. You sold it. Mm -hmm. That was a strategic mistake at the time. Now we've been telling you for a few years now to start making your own ARM chips and you're still not listening. It doesn't mean you can't make Intel chips. You're going to sell billions of Intel chips still for the next 10 years mm -hmm. for the PC world. That's going to happen. But just you need to freaking like plan your future here. Like this is it. You know, I don't know. I don't know if this is an appropriate example, but you look at the legacy car makers that who are slowly moving over to making EVs, which, in my opinion, clearly are the future, but still making really good gas cars. It's it seems like the same basic principles exactly. are, are applying here, right? Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it all the time. We saw it with phones. We saw, you know, we saw it with the iPhone. We see it with electric mm -hmm. cars and Tesla. You know, I mean, we're both biased because we both drive Teslas, but. <laughs> the point is, like, I'm a car enthusiast. Like, I love a stick shift gasoline car, like, any day. But the reality is, that's like a horse now, like, to me. Like, it's like a luxury. It's like a <laughs> yeah. special thing that I do for the weekend with the top down when I go to for a nice little drive. Like, if I need to run my everyday stuff, like, even a yeah. long road trip. I went to Palm Springs recently in the Tesla for just a break because I need to get out. I rented an entire house with uh, my spouse mm -hmm. for, with, a, with a pool. It was nice. Well, guess what? The Tesla is a phenomenal, it's like a traveling business class. It's super comfortable, super quiet, super charging makes it possible. You know, I used to commute between Portland and SF in my Tesla all the time. Like the reality is that is where we're going. If you're a car maker right now and you're not aiming for that, you are dead. Yeah, I, I very much agree. Uh, speaking of cars, do you still have the Boxster? Is that your, is that your manual? I had to sell that. Uh, I had some problems with it and... I didn't really want to sink them. I could have fixed the problems. They were relatively minor, but I just couldn't justify it because I wasn't driving it around enough. What I'm looking forward to is getting, you know, getting another at some point. I want to get a 911 next though. That's the plan. I mean, who doesn't, who does, right? Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Who does? Who doesn't? Yeah. But honestly, the Boxsters are really cheap. If you want to get into Porsche right now and get something that's reliable and fun to drive and you can get yeah. a decent boxer for 10 15k all day long and you can get a decent 911 from that 996 986 generation early 2000s for about 20 to 25 a good one like a really well like yeah. sorted one so it's not pocket change but i think the fear for a lot of people is the maintenance and stuff and honestly if you find a good mechanic it's not that bad like i in my ownership was three years and if you look mm -hmm. at my monthly cost spread out of buying the car and even including the sale of the car and including the maintenance on the car, it cost me the yeah. same as leasing a Toyota Corolla every month. It was like 200 bucks a month for three years of pleasure. And I daily drove it for a long time because I bought it as an in-between for between my Golf R and my Tesla Model 3, yeah. right? So I had, I had like this weird in-between moment and... It was perfectly daily drivable. So, I mean, unless you had, you know, it's just two of us. So, of course, you have kids, it's a whole different story. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. a lot of people don't understand and realize that it's not that big of an adventure. Like, you can do it if if you're a car enthusiast, as possible. No, I, that doesn't, I, I agree with that. I, I love, I have a soft spot in my in my heart for that car. So, I, I used to see your pictures of it and be just, like, look longingly <laughs> at, at it, like, just top-down freeway cruising. I, you know, I finally reached that midlife crisis and I lived it for a while and that was great. I'll go back to doing that again at some point. But right now, you know, pragmatism <laughs> has to survive and, and be the at the forefront in these crazy COVID times. So, but, you know, speaking of, like, niche things that, okay. well, not niche, but that I think that are... Kind of bring it back to the AirPod Max for a sec. One of the things I want to talk about yeah. is the audiophile world versus the mainstream wireless ANC world. Like, I'm a reluctant audiophile simply because I worked in audio for so long professionally, you know, like as a software yeah. engineer in video games. I worked for Dolby Labs. Like, I love good sound. And I, I'm not one of those people who wants to spend a lot of money on my gear, but I love good sound. So I'm pretty critical. And I've always found that Apple, the certainly the AirPods, the AirPod Pros are significantly better, but I still don't meet my minimal standard. And I f I'm hoping that the Max does. In the same way as I feel that the Sony's, the, the M4s and prior to that, the M3s mm -hmm. are just at the beginning of what I feel is acceptable in terms of performance. Like, so I'm very happy wearing my Sony's on an airplane in terms of sound quality, plus, of course, the great noise cancellation. But 
I'm hoping Apple doesn't like sacrifice that and maybe inherit some of that Beats stuff because Beats, honestly, I've never heard a Beats product that I liked. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe there are some now that are, and I should check them out. But I hope that they didn't inherit that Beats sound. That it's really gonna be. Let's try to aim for that Sony M4 sound and deliver that with the Apple premium of the materials, the build, the yeah. design. And I love the crown idea. I think that's very cool. There was rumors that it was going to have touch pads or something like some capacitive controls like the Sony's, but it looks like they didn't do that. Or maybe is it in there? And when we I fix it, takes it apart, we find it somehow. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, what's your, what's your take on that? Do you think, I don't think Apple is aiming for the audio file, but do you think they can actually satisfy people like me or you? So I, I think the barrier for entry for Apple, you have to be at least as good as the Sony M4s. Yeah. Like you have, you have to, the audio has to sound. The battery life is already less. So, you know, like 30 hours on the M4s versus 20 hours on the, on the, you know, so yeah. And that, that, that's not a little, little difference. So I think that's your barrier to entry. I will say I have a lot of faith to Apple when it comes to a premium audio experience, right? Like I said, with the HomePod, like people might not have liked it, but it was sort of universally agreed on that the audio fidelity was really good. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really good. And there's sort of their littler products, you know, the, the AirPods and AirPods Pro. Those are fine, but they're not really the audiophile headphone. That's more of a convenience product. Yep. But when Apple gets into premium audio, and they've done it, you know, slowly before, and this is the first time over your Remember headphones. Remember the iPod Hi-Fi? Oh, yes, <laughs> with the dock on top. They, they've always done a really good job yeah. with audio. So I would absolutely expect the audio to be a sound amazing. Whether or not it's worth the premium, that's up to people to decide. But I think you can expect the audio, the spatial audio, uh, to sound really, really good and really premium. Do you think a lot of these features are going to work with Android phones? That's what I'm concerned about. Like, I'm not planning to use this on my Apple products very much. I really want to try these out in the context of the M4. So for me, I have the M4s with the Sony app on my uh, OnePlus 8 Pro right now. And I'm very happy because the Sony app gives me all kinds of little EQ controls and settings. And so I'm willing to give up some things like spatial audio I don't really need. But I think that I don't want to give up on EQ and, you know, some sort of control of how to configure the settings on the, on the, the buttons or whatever. If Apple even gives you that option, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think Apple even gives you the option on on iPhones or iOS devices, as far as far as I but can. But they tell. might have some more spatial audio probably. stuff. I have a feeling that will be something that's baked into the phone more than anything else. Yeah, I mean it's probably built into settings, so you'll probably lose out on those controls. But I think as far as the audio quality goes, it's more up to the yeah. source because at the end of the day, they're just Bluetooth headphones. For sure. Um, so I think that comes down to the source. So if you can deal with sort of, I guess, the, whatever their default profiles, I don't think it would matter too much yeah. um, what you're using. I'm excited about their ability to do ANC dynamically, like um, a lot of like, I mean, more dynamically yeah. than others, like they're doing on the AirPods Pro, right? Uh, but I also am excited about the fact that there's a microphone inside to potentially do a mapping of your ear cavity, like some head- headphones I've been doing. Mm-hmm. It's been a bit niche so far. Although Sony does it by scanning your ear with a phone. I, I don't know if you set yeah. up your... Yes. Yeah, I've done that before. And it's very clever, actually. I think a lot of people find that gimmicky, but I'll be honest with you, as somebody who studied audiology, the, the science of hearing perception, a lot of the way we hear audio is because of we were trained by the way our ears are shaped. Like, you know, if you were in a terrible accident and lost an ear, things would sound really weird for a while. Your brain would eventually correct, but it's yeah. it's very important to understand that we all hear slightly differently. And so that's why, you know, my earbuds that I love don't necessarily work for you because you have a completely different... So this, this ability to scan the inside of the ear might be able to give everyone a more consistent sound experience. Yeah. And that, I think, is something that Sony isn't really doing as well yet. And that Apple could really own, you know? It's going to be interesting to see what the critical response is and what the sales numbers are. I don't think Apple's anticipating this being a huge runaway sales hit from this. This isn't going to, you know, beat AirPods numbers. Yeah. Um, But with the audiophile community, as they tend to lead, I think the consumers will follow. Yeah. So people are, you know, if you start hearing like these are amazing, the audio quality is, is impeccable. It beats my M4s. It beats my Bose. You'll start to see people maybe justify the price in their head a little more. 
Yeah, and some people are simply going to justify because they love the design and the Apple integration, and I get that. I'm, yeah. you know, that's kind of why when we're talking about the Porsche, the you know, premium price of the Porsches and the the kind of niche in a way of Porsches kind of reminds me. This product reminds me of that is as you said, there should be a sports version that because it's much more democratic in terms of price coming. But this is, I think, Apple potentially, um, and this is completely uh, hypothetical until I get mine. Is maybe Apple trying to kind of you know, get close to that uh, audiophile experience or, or skim it basically to kind of bring something better to the mainstream as the technology that's in there drops in price, you know, and, and I, I like that. I, I'm, that's kind of why I had to get them. I'm like, I know I'm not probably not going to keep them because I have what I need right now. And I have, I have so many headphones. It's not even funny. It's just kind of yeah. like, I Bong and I should probably like count our headphones and, <laughs> and it would be pretty, pretty crazy. But the point is that like, I think I'm trying them out. I'm definitely excited. Keeping them, I don't think I can justify. I mean, 600 after tax or whatever it is. You know, it's just a little ridiculous. It's like two-thirds of a MacBook Air. (laughs) I'd be curious what your experiences are once you try them and put them on. If it ends up being something that you think you can't do without, you end up, you know, putting your M4s aside, I think that says something. I'll be honest, I hope not because I love my M4 <laughs> yeah, keep, so much. Keep the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm excited. I think this is this is rare for me to buy a, an Apple product on day one like that. But I was like, you know, it's quote unquote only $600 and I'm really yeah. with the intent of not keeping them. You know, I, a bit, I create a bit of content and return them like I sometimes do for products that I can't get review units for. Um, but, sure. but at the same time, there is that possibility, you're right, that I might just really fall in love. And that's kind of part of what the experience is going to be. Same with the MacBook Air M1. I was like, maybe this is not going to be for me at all. For whatever reason, I'm going to want to wait for two years from yeah. now version of the M. But no, no, oh, I am so freaking happy with that thing right now. Even though it's not running a lot of my older apps and I'm having to find new workflows, I'm actually finding it very exciting to get forced into refreshing my habits in a way because it was badly needed. Like I'm, I'm still running some weird stuff that I wrote like in Xcode a few years back that runs 32-bit. I can recompile it, thankfully. So it's going to be yeah, fine. Fortunately. But I'm just like, wow, you know? And I'm pretty impressed. Like if this is kind of my M1 review, our M1 review in the show here, this this is, you know, kudos to Apple. Like I don't think I'd buy a Pro. Like I don't think I'd be able to justify the 13-inch Pro right now. I don't like I don't like the, the touch bar. And secondly, I mean... Unless you do sustained workloads, which I never do, uh, I don't think you need that, right? I, I agree. And I think if, if Apple told people, or if you, know, you told people, listen, Apple has a new MacBook out, just assume it's an Intel processor in there, it's more powerful, it runs quieter, um, and you can essentially spec it less. Like with 8 gig of RAM, that's all you're going to need. Yeah. Um, I think people would jump at it. And then you tell them later, like, oh, hey, Apple also made the processor. Yeah. And be like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. But it's sort of the thought of the Apple made silicon, I think is still holding people back. Um, it's really impressive what it does. And again, the best compliment I can give it is in my use, I don't even notice it. It runs like a really fast computer. Yeah, the average Mac user who doesn't have a special case use cases is gonna be like completely they're just gonna get faster experience and better battery life all day long, basically. Yeah. And and that's gonna be it. And that's worth it. Yeah. And then, you know, for me, I think I went ahead and bought one, obviously, because first of all, I need a new MacBook. I've got a five-year-old MacBook 12-inch as my mobile machine. And second, I always said from day one, I said, the day that Apple makes a lightweight, portable computer with an ARM chip, I am buying it. Like, there is no doubt in my mind, because I was there for the two previous transitions. I was there for PowerPC to Intel, and I was even there for Motorola 68K to PowerPC, and I saw that. Apple's know-how in doing emulation or translation and how well that went. And so I had no qualms about this. And I'm honestly pretty happy. Like, I wish it was a smaller device, more the size of my 12-inch MacBook, and that might still be coming. But I'm definitely keeping this thing for a few years. Like, that's the thing about Macs. It's like, I keep them forever. I have a 2011 Mac Mini I'm still running, (laughs) 8-core Intel Core i7 8-core Mac Mini from back then. It was a server. I bought it as a server, John, just because I wanted the cores. I didn't care about the GPU. I just wanted cores. And that thing is super fast. It's running like perfectly well on Catalina 
And it's so fast. I put lots of RAM and I put a big SSD in there. You know, nine years old. Like, wow. It's, it's incredible how long, how long the hardware lasts. I, I do have to give Apple credit for that. Yeah. I mean, I do have to say there are a few things that don't work anymore. The SD card reader is broken. For some reason, it doesn't read SD cards. The audio output works analog, but you know how those were combined audio outputs that mm-hmm. had the optical SPDIF built into the yeah. headphone socket? That digital out isn't working for some reason. Like it's actually outputting, eh. it's outputting something that my DAC sees as, as a signal, but what, what I hear coming out of this, John, is this. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But it's purely a hardware fault, right? Like, but the thing is, that's like peripheral yeah. stuff. The rest of it, it just runs like a charm. Every few years, I open it up and vacuum the fan, and I put it back together. <laughs> I run it as like a media server, you know. If it works, it works. But yeah, it's amazing what uh, Apple can do. And that's kind of like, you know, a lot of people think that I'm dismissive of Apple because I'm not an iPhone user as my main phone. But you, you forget that yeah. I'm a Mac user, like a freaking hardcore Mac user. Like, you know, I like yeah. my Macs. Yeah. So this is definitely giving me a lot of excitement for the future. So... Let's move on to some other stuff. You, we touched on the Galaxy S21 at the very beginning of the show, saying yes. that you know it looks like it's intensifying to a coming launch. Now, I haven't been invited to anything yet, and I don't think anybody else has either because I haven't seen any reports of it. But there was rumors of a January, mid-January, like January 14th, 15th launch for the S21, which is crazy. Yeah. And related to that, um, we've seen some teaser videos. Uh, I, I'm going to link to a story from The Verge, but you can find this in many different publications. Basically, the official teaser videos from Samsung have somehow leaked. So what's your take on that? Like, what do you, what do you think? What do you think of the S21 so far? So if those teaser images are true, uh, I love the design. Yeah, it looks cool. It's a new design language for Samsung. It, it's two-tone. It looks premium. And if it's true that the Note line that Apple there that Samsung is folding the Note line and just going to be the yeah. S series and you know whatever the fold the foldable side. I mean that needs to happen, right? Like everybody seems to be in agreement here that the Note is kind of redundant now. Like the the one to get this year, in my opinion, unless you got the fold the, the fold two, mm-hmm. was the Note Twenty Ultra. It's the better phone of all the Samsung phones, especially yeah. if you want imaging. And the S20 Ultra just, you know, was kind of like a proto version of that imaging system and just kind of fell on its face. So yeah. what I want to see is the S21 combining the two in a clever way. Like, I'm not an S Pen user, but I th- hopefully they have a silo for the S Pen because the S Pen users really deserve their silo, in my opinion. But we'll see. Yeah, so that so that so that's kind of the point I was going to make. Either one of two things have to happen. Either the S Pen is going to be on the S line. Maybe yeah. it's reserved for just for just the Ultra let's say. And then that would be fine. I think that would make sense if it was just on the ultra, you've got more room in there or the foldables are getting S pen support. Yeah. One of those, one of those two is going to, is, is going to happen. I think they have too many loyal S pen users. I don't think they're afraid to lose them. And I don't, I don't, I don't blame them for that, but combining the lines and making the S to flagship, I think makes a ton of sense. And you're right about the S 20 ultra, uh, on paper, the optics and the focus and the zoom should have been amazing. In practice, they didn't deliver really on much that they promised. From the and they side. weren't able to update it either, which is interesting, which I think there's, it shows yeah. some, some things missing that they were able to add to the, to the Note 20 Ultra. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm wondering if, like, basically, my, my gut feeling tells me that every S21 is going to get S Pen support, but you're not going to get the S Pen with all of the phones. And I'm hoping that at least the Ultra version has the pen in a silo somehow. That that way, yeah. you know, you can buy the S Pen as an accessory and use it in the same way as LG supports Wacom digitizer pens on all their phones right now. The Velvet, the Wing, yeah. the uh, V60. It's kind of surprising. A lot of people don't know this, but this is kind of amazing. I mean, I don't need it, but if you're somebody who likes to take notes, you just buy like a Wacom pen and you use it on your LG phone. It just works. Um, I, I agree. And I think that's probably, probably likely. Um, Samsung is not afraid to offer different experiences across their S lines, right? Yeah. So different memory, different processor. I wouldn't be surprised if the 888 is reserved for the Ultra. Yeah. And even it's the, you know, whatever they're the new mid range I've announced yet. The and they'll probably have an Exynos in Europe, like they always seem to yeah. do. Um, but what's interesting, and I think why Samsung is going to have a hit on their hands, if they let Qualcomm's technology do what it can do on the optical on the uh, optical side, so for the cameras, they muddied it with the 865 and the S20 Ultra. They sort of put their own layers inside of yeah. it. Yeah, 
the 888 from just what the processor can do out of the box inside of a phone is astounding. Yeah. And they just let it do that. I know. Uh, I think they will have a huge hit on their hands. And I'm super excited about the, you know, two telephotos because having used a P40 Pro Plus from Huawei, which had two telephotos, this is the only way to fly. Once you've experienced it, you don't want to go back. Like you want that super high zoom uh, with a periscope lens, but then you still want to zoom that goes in between somewhere between your main sensor and your telephoto. And that's what we're looking at here. Uh, Speaking of uh, related Topics that we just kind of touched on LG slide. Mm-hmm. So maybe that phone will support Ooh, yes. pen input as well. Let's talk about that. But as you know, the Explorer project gave us a phone that I very highly rated and reviewed on hot hardware, mm-hmm. the LG wing. I loved it. Like, I don't think anybody should buy it in the sense of the average person, but if you're a tech nerd, and you replace your phone every six months, go buy a wing and enjoy it for a while, especially the Verizon version of Millimeter Wave. It's great. Especially, I live in Millimeter Wave land, so it's nice. I can just walk out my door (laughs) and upload a YouTube video in 10 seconds. But the point is that I am excited about where LG is going, even if it's niche. And I'm hoping that this slide that we've been seeing more and more leaks about is going to be just as cool. And maybe it will have pen support as well because it seems like they're putting that in everything. But the, the news here is that it looks like it's coming. Like there's SKUs appearing on Korean yeah. carrier sites and stuff. So, you know, that probably means it's going to be like March, April or something at this point. But that's pretty early for something this radical, right? It's crazy. So when you're, when you're saying slide for people who don't know, it's essentially like a rollable phone. Yes. Like this, the screen like rolls out. We're not talking to slide like, you know, like an old school. Uh, no, no, it, it expands. Like you pull the sides yeah. of the phone and the screen stretches and you get more screen. Kind of like that's the crazy thing. Which is insane. And I, did, I wouldn't be giving LG a ton of credit for this if the wing wasn't so good. I mean, and, and the wing, I think. The yeah, wing is so good. You said it. I think you said it very perfectly. Uh, I think it's the most amazing phone that I don't know who it's for. Yeah. But I love that it exists. Yeah, I, I think it is a it was a brand new form factor we haven't seen and they stuck the landing on it. Yep. I mean, they, they really, really did stick the landing on that phone. And if they do that Gen 1 so well, I mean, I, I think they're going to do the sliding thing really well, too. I, I give credit to LG and I think they could out innovate Samsung in a way that they haven't done in many, many, many years. And this is the LG you and I remember. Remember that? Like mm-hmm. like LG oh, yeah. has been so stale for so long, folks, that like that's part of the reason I give the LG so many thumbs up in my reviews. It's not just because it's genuinely cool, but it's because yeah. like this is the LG we all want, the crazy LG. The LG that just goes, oh, you know, F it. Let's just do this, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, and that, that took risks and yeah. tried new things. Um, and it's awesome to see. And I, again, what you said about the wing was perfect. You upgrade your phone every six months, try the wing. Yeah, um, try the wing. 100%. 100 out of 100 times, try the wing. You can get it on sale right now. It's not that expensive. No. Um, but it is something so new in the space. And I love that LG is doing this. I love that they're developing out in the open. You don't get really good Gen 2 products unless you get through Gen 1. And I love that they're letting people take part of that who choose to and can be a part of that experiment. Um, I think it's absolutely brilliant what they're doing. Yeah, I'm we're more worried about the, the complexity of this device. And I think this is going to be more of a Gen 1, like the original Z Flip was or the, Z, the original Fold. Um, yeah. Whereas I think the wing, because there is no actual display that... Uh, rolls or bends, I think it was a lot easier for them to come out with what, what was a very mature product in from engineering right away, right? Because you're really yeah. just talking about a pivot, a really fancy pivot, mm-hmm. a twist basically. And and for that, I mean, I'm still looking forward to it. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I am just excited. You know, speaking of styluses, we also have a new Moto G stylus that's, that's leaking. Um, so this, yep. the G stylus last year was an affordable phone from M- Moto with a capacitive stylus, let's put it, you know, it's not an active stylus like what you used to on the S Pen. <laughs> but it looks like yeah. they're it looks like they're digging in and making a better version of what they did last year for 2021. Um, it looks like it might be coming out pretty soon too. So 
Um, you know, it's bigger, of course. It's got the same capacitive, you know, meh kind of stylus, which I never used. Again, I don't use styli, but I appreciate that they're doing a product that doesn't cost, what is the base note, uh, the 20, is like $1,000, yeah. right? Like this is a, this was a $250 phone last year and in bargains bin, you could get it down to like 150 bucks for Black Friday. So if this thing is even 300 bucks at this point and the specs are anything like that link I just looked at from, again, The Verge, you know, it could be pretty decent. So like, this is one of the things about Android I love so much is you want a phone with a stylus for 300 bucks? We've got you, you know? Yeah, no problem. I got you covered. <laughs> it's, I mean, this, don't get, this, is not a, this is not an exciting phone, you know? It's like, it's not going to be like mind blowing or anything, but it's nice to see that it exists and to have the option. And then uh, I'm just going through all the rumors and leaks. Yeah. Not all of them. Like there was that Pixel XE rumor and I was just like, that, that's, that's fake. Like, but um, <laughs> Oppo Find X3 Pro. Now this is something I've been hearing for a while about. And I reviewed the X2 Pro last year for hot hardware. Check it out. It's one of my favorite phones. It's basically mm -hmm. the luxury version of the OnePlus 8 Pro, but without wireless charging, which is a bummer. But it's still like, it's basically, yeah. if you put a periscope, like folded lens on a OnePlus 8 Pro, that's the phone. They share the same display, you know, BBK, BBK mm -hmm. group and stuff. So the Oppo Find X2 Pro will come out probably before the OnePlus 9 Pro. And it will give us an insight on what to expect from the OnePlus 9 Pro, because I wouldn't be surprised if they yeah. share some stuff. The thing that's got me excited about there is 10-bit color throughout. So interface, display, camera capture, video probably using the 888, right? Because the 888 promised the 10-bit support, right? Yep. So that's what we're that's what we're looking at right now, which is kind of cool. And it's 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 pretty. For those who don't know, like 10-bit, when you're if you use your video a lot on your phone and you try to edit it uh, without 10-bit, you get about 16 million colors you can edit with, and that's a lot. Uh, but with 10-bit, you get a billion colors. Right. It lets you do a lot with your video that you couldn't do before. And that is a really big deal for phones. And we're starting to see it become more mainstream. iPhone 12s have it. It's going to filter its way into a lot more Android phones. It's going to become sort of the de facto, just a quote, good video that you get in, in mobile phones. Yeah. So that's kind of why I wanted to touch on that, because I was like, okay, this, this is the second time I've seen this rumor kind of solidify. And... Yeah. You know, with the 888 announcement last week, where we knew we finally heard about the 10-bit support throughout, I was like, okay, this this rumor is starting to get real. And you know, Oppo is well known for at the high end, really kind of like pushing new technologies. So you know, although 10-bit's yeah. not really that new, but having the ability to make a phone that's kind of 10-bit native for color space is an interesting idea. And um, for those of us who you know are creative. Uh, folks that, that create a lot of content, having that option is nice. And so, yeah, there you go. And speaking of BBK Group and Oppo and OnePlus and all that, Carl Pei, as you know, left uh, OnePlus. Making headlines. And, and TechCrunch has a great story. I think it was yesterday uh, that Carl Pei uh, raised $7 million for his new company, which is an audio yep. venture. So I'm really, now my ears are really perking up. Uh, we're not quite sure what what to make of it, but uh, some of the investors are like, "Wow!" Yeah, like very inter interesting list of investors. Like Casey Neistat, I didn't know that Casey was an in doing uh, investment into into startups. Now it makes sense though from his you know perspective. Uh, folks like Tony Fidel, who worked at Apple and brought us the iPod, mm -hmm. the original iPod. He was the guy who did the hardware behind the original iPod. Uh, that doesn't surprise me because he has done lots of investments before in various startups. But we're seeing some interesting names here, like Liam Casey, which is uh, the CEO of PCH, which is a mm -hmm. uh, venture capital uh, incubator accelerator here in San Francisco. But look, you know that's that's how it works, right? You you know all these folks in the investment and business tech industry, and when you start a new company, you just ping everyone and say, "Hey, you know, I'm doing this crazy thing. Can I show you?" And if if you know you you hit them up for some investment money, right? So it's kind of yeah. cool because you know we keep forgetting this about Kape. He said he's Swedish, right? Like he mm -hmm. he has a Swedish citizenship, so. You know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the funding comes from Sweden, which is really cool. And uh, the the company will be headquartered in London. So there, there you go. That that's basically all I got for you on that. Yeah. What's What's interesting? They said I believe that it's starting out as audio only, which means expand to other things. Yeah. Which I think I think is more intriguing 
for what it can what it can be and what it can do. Yeah. I mean, I, we don't know anything about it, but I'm kind of like perking up because audio and I don't know. I feel like OnePlus's earbuds have been really nice. And mm-hmm. if Carpe had anything to do with that, because he has good audio taste or whatever, I'm looking forward to a company, you know, bringing some innovation in the ear, in the earbuds. Like, I think earbuds are kind of like still a little untapped. I feel that we've seen, of course, ANC, but it's still really mm-hmm. expensive. A cheap ANC still hasn't really broken you know, the, the, the barrier in terms of performance. And then of course, you know, sound quality is really variable. Like, um, right now, I think the, the Holy grail is if we could have earbuds that could scan the inside of your ear, even at like $50, you know, a hundred dollars, if yeah. chip sheds could be created that, you know, with a simple microphone, you just ping the ear and you get a map and you apply that map, you know, convolution through the DSP inside the chip. And you, you sell that at a price point that, you know, all the Chinese makers can be on board, then we're going to start seeing a yeah. huge revenue. In the same way as True Wireless is now really True Wireless. Remember how for a long time it went from the phone to one earbud and from one earbud to the other earbud, whereas mm-hmm. now it's directly from the phone to both earbuds. That was enabled by chipsets from Qualcomm and, and MediaTek and others, right? So I'm yeah. kind of wondering, you know, I hope it's not just another speaker. Like a speaker would be nice, but like, you know, I don't yeah. know. I'm more excited about earbuds or headphones. I agree. I, I very much agree um and there's a lot of potential in that market but still something like that just still seems too obvious i feel like it's something that we haven't thought of right right. maybe it's something completely yeah maybe i'm not i'm not digging deep enough like that's but that's my you know my wishful thinking like having reviewed a million true wireless earbuds this year i kind of feel like there's so much inconsistency in that market both on pricing performance sound quality fit like all kinds of things. I want to there see is. more consistency. And I see more consistency in in wireless ANC headphones at a higher price point, mind you. Although I have a pair of TCL noise-canceling headphones, the ones they launched at CES, that cost like yeah. $79. And they don't suck. They sound good. They do good ANC. Yeah. Like, it's possible. It's getting there, you know? So, yeah. So, listen, there's a couple of more things I want to just mention really quickly and then wrap things up. Yeah. As there's two phones I've recently reviewed that uh, should be appearing on Hot Hardware's review roster soon. The Nokia 8V 5G UW, God, that name. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Realme 7 5G. And they're yin and yang. Like, one is sucks. The Nokia is a, this is a really disappointing phone. And then the Realme is a completely out-of-left-field surprise. And the way to put it to you is that I don't know if Nokia still knows how to make a flagship. Like, they just seem to have lost the plot. Like, And yeah. this is the HMD global Nokia, right? Like, I want, I love the brand. I know, I love what they're doing with, you know, what is it? Android One and, and all mm-hmm. that. But I feel like we haven't seen a good flagship or me even a good mid-ranger from them that's competitive in a long time. Sure, their phones are beautifully designed. They're really well made. I'm sure they're very, very strong if you drop them because that's yeah. always been the, the truth. But this thing is basically like HMD Global selling out to Verizon. I mean, a $700 phone like that's Pixel 5 territory with a Snapdragon 765G that mm-hmm. doesn't have OIS on the main lens, has six gigs of RAM and 64 gigs of storage. Get out of town. Like, what are you thinking? You know? So I, I do want to give a disclaimer that I have, um, next week I've got a, a sponsorship with Nokia for this phone. <laughs> I, I, it's not, obviously I would never call it a review, but it's more of a, a product, um, Showcase. So I, I do want to sort of disclose that one area where I think the phone showed potential was in the camera software, as far as the granular controls and the manual side yeah. that you would have as a creator. That I did find very impressive. The execution of the software, I think, left a lot to be desired. I just think it's the price. For me, if that phone costs the same as the TCL phone that you did a sponsorship on, like yeah. even fifty dollars more than that because it's glass and and beautiful and really mm-hmm. big and beautifully made. I'd be on board hundred percent. There's nothing wrong with that phone in the vacuum. It's just the yeah. price seven hundred bucks for that phone. It, the specs just don't match it. That's my biggest concern. Like I think that you're playing in you know Pixel Five, a Galaxy S twenty Fan Edition territory, which you're playing yeah. in, in One Plus Eight, One Plus Eight territory here like think of what you can get for that money right and that's the that's the challenge now of course it's it's, it's, it's a lot of money it's gonna be a bargain bin 
type of phone like you're going to find on discount real soon but that's i hate to have to say that about it shemni that's why i'm so passionate you know it's just like they kind of missed the boat and quickly talk about the realme 7 5g if you've read my uh oneplus nord n10 5g review on hot hardware you know how disappointed i was with that phone and here's here's what you need to know the realme 7 5g is what the nord n10 5g should have been <laughs> it's a hundred pounds cheaper it's made by the same company, right? BBK Group, essentially. Yeah. It's yep. got software that's very close to Oxygen 11 or, you know, it's basically ColorOS, but from Oppo, but scaled down to being less intrusive and more and faster and cleaner and, and less cluttered, which is really welcoming. So think, think Oxygen OS 11 is what I think of. But the hardware is really where it's at. This phone feels and looks better than the N10 5G. It... Um, yeah. has a, a Dimensity 800U chip from MediaTek, which in benchmarks matches roughly the 765G and more importantly, feels as fast and to use. And the camera system's decent. Basically, the display is 120 hertz. It's got 30 watt charging and the thing costs 300 bucks. Like this is what we expect from OnePlus. Yet I think what's happening here, John, is that OnePlus is sailing towards Oppo and Realme is taking its place. Like Realme is slotting in and going, oh, all the cheap stuff that OnePlus could do, you know, if they tried, we're going to take on. And this phone is is remarkable. I mean, it's not recommended for the US because it doesn't all the bands you need. But man, if yeah. you're abroad, you're looking for a really good 5G phone, ding, 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 there you go. It's it's interesting to see what the brands, especially in the brands in that portfolio are doing. OnePlus is going up market very clearly. Yeah. I mean, they're still sort of staying true, like you mentioned with the Nord, but they're clearly moving more up market. And there's leaving a vacuum there. Yeah, but I think they shouldn't try to go down market, right? Because they're not doing it right. The Nord was phenomenal, but the, the N10 5G and N100, for every review I've seen, and especially my time with the N10 5G, it's just not there. It's just like, it, this could be a generic crappy Oppo phone. Not, not that Oppo makes crappy phones, but it's just like, they're, they're not yeah. trying. Whereas this Realme is really trying. They're really trying to make a really solid, all-round, well-rounded 5G phone that costs 300 bucks, 350 bucks, you know? Yeah, and I think you have to be, I almost feel like you have to try to find a bad phone nowadays, right? But if you're getting a phone that's in that three to $500 price point, as long as you are okay and at peace with those compromises, yeah. whether it's display, whether it's a certain camera spec that you want, you are still going to, the processors have gotten so good yeah. that you're still going to get a really good phone. You can pick or choose your compromises. And that Realme, like you mentioned, does a really nice job of, I think, picking the right compromises. To get to that exactly price point. and that's exactly it. like i feel like you know with the nord it was a bit too slow for what we were expecting from oneplus but this is actually faster feeling and yet it's a real me phone right like so it's kind of very interesting yeah. i thought and then uh yeah so i don't know uh keep an eye out for these reviews i'm not quite sure when our editors will decide to put them uh, on the site but i've got those coming and i've got unboxing videos on my channel that i'll link to john we should wrap up do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet uh, yeah, so you can find me, I uh, just search put my name into Google, but it's youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Uh, I'm, I'm there, I'm available and, uh, I'm always talking tech. What's your Twitter handle? Is it the same? John for Lakers? Yeah. John for Lakers. It's the uh, yeah. uh, horrible, horrible, because I had no foresight what I was going to do. Um, but, uh, just John for Lakers across pretty much, pretty much everything. Nice. You folks should subscribe to John's YouTube channel. Really great content there and, uh, follow him on Twitter. And folks, you know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Uh, basically, Tankerl, the comic book character, drop the vowels. That's my handle pretty much everywhere. Twitter is where you want to go to talk about the podcast, comment on the show, whatever. Instagram is where you want to go to see pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones. And of course, you know, there's a couple of YouTube channels we have now that go along with the show. We have youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast where you'll find unboxings, hands-on, some review content. Basically, if you want visuals to go along with your audio, this is the way, the place to go. And then I, I just recently started a new channel with my producer called Mobile Tech More. So it's youtube.com slash mobile tech more. And this is where we're going to put all the weird stuff we get to review, like we got a robot vacuum coming. We've got like an air purifier that's connected. It's from Xiaomi too, so it's <laughs> kind of cool. Like we got a USB-C powered portable blender the other day. That's not very high tech, but the fact that it has a USB-C port on it, it was really cool. Margaritas anywhere, you know? And then, uh, uh, yeah. 
Check out those two channels, subscribe, like, all that's good stuff. And then the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. If you want, you can subscribe there. There's an RSS feed, but there's also links to all the other platforms. We're obviously on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, pretty much everywhere you can find a good podcast, you'll find the show. So check it out. If you have the ability to review or rate the podcast on your app, please consider doing that. It helps a lot for people that are kind of coming in wondering what it's about. And uh, yeah, there's also a donate link in the show notes if you want to help out the channel and, and make us uh, continue doing these great shows every every week. Please consider donating. It's a PayPal link. It's pretty straightforward. And then finally, I want to thank Audible real quick. They're our sponsor. They've been with the show forever. Like, I just love these folks. Like, if you want to help Audible help the show, please consider clicking through the link that I'm going to give you right now. Audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. What you get out of it is a free book at the end of a 30-day free trial. So if you want to stay, you can get your free book. If you want to leave, you can get your free book. No matter what, you get a free book. It's exciting. And it helps the show. And, you know, hopefully you stick around because Audible is kind of cool. Like, if you like books as much as I do and you read as much as I do, well, I don't really read anymore. That's the thing. I listen to Audible instead because I, road trips and stuff is really nice. I love it. There's a great selection of books. A lot of books are read by the authors. A lot of books are kind of these epic things. You listen to them for like 10 hours at a time. Yeah, that's the nice thing. It's like a continuous thing. A podcast lasts an hour. You're done. You move on. This is one of the, like, I'm looking forward to the next chapter. And, you know, you have to take a break because you got to work and sleep and eat. But like, it's, it's like watching a TV show that spreads over multiple seasons. You know, it's really cool. So audible.com check it out they're pretty great folks they've been with us for a long time and the link to the free trial is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech please consider clicking through and i want to thank audible for being a long time sponsor and you john i want to thank you for being on the show yet again listen it's my my pleasure i've been following you and your your career for years um so it's an honor to to be here um miriam i think is is always been amongst the best in the industry you are honest to a fault. And I think that honesty is not something that we see so much in the space anymore. Oh, John, that is really kind. Thank you. You, you always, um, always have my respect and admiration. And just for what you said earlier, uh, I've been an Audible subscriber for, for years. That's where I kind of, quote unquote, read all of my books. Yep. Um, I think I have six credits waiting for me in my account because I haven't been in my car that often. <laughs> uh, but if you, haven't given, if you haven't given Audible a shot, and this is, I, I have no skin in this game. Uh, I really recommend you you give it a give it a whirl. You'll find a wealth of things to learn about and entertain yourself that you never thought before. Thanks, John. And you know, again, uh, you you and I have been doing this for a long time, and I've got just long as time. much respect for your work because you know, like I used to watch your videos on Techno Buffalo back in the day. It was like, yes, John's got another video. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Anyway, folks, we'll have another show next week, so stay tuned for that. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.